0: And forward tonight we're going to take the first letter, the letter to the church of Ephesus, and we're going to study it a little while tonight and uh, see what it has for us tonight. How many of y'all know and ever heard the phrase, in a rut? How many of y'all have ever heard that? How many of y'all have ever heard this? That a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out. That's the truth, isn't it? It is so easy to get in a rut in life, get in a rut in the ministry, get in a rut in our marriages, get in a rut in our relationships, and, and, and this is where we're going to find this church, and I want to do this. Before we jump into the outline, I want to give you a little bit of background information to kind of uh, maybe let it come alive a little bit more and get your, get your mind wrapped around where this has taking place. Look in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. These things, saith he, that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, Because thou hast left thy first love. Say that with me. Because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Father, thank you for your word. Please bless it and use it to edify your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Uh, as As a way of introduction, let's look at the city. If you'll remember, we're, we're looking at a, a primary application here. He is writing to churches that are in Asia Minor, uh, which is modern-day Turkey. How many of y'all remember that? Say amen. Amen. He's writing these letters, seven churches. Jesus is concerned about the church. He's concerned about these specific churches in general and gives this vision, gives this teaching, uh, gives this truth to John to write down for these seven churches. Now, Ephesus is a main city. It is a major, probably the greatest city in that area. It wasn't the capital, but it was probably the most important city. The the population of the city was about 250,000 to 500,000. This was a major city. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Sometimes when we, we read about biblical places and Excuse me, we 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 think way too small. This was a major metropolitan city that was began and really uh, many many Bible uh, scholars believe that the rest of the churches were branching out of this this particular area. This was the main hub, this was the main church and it was the mother church of the rest of the six. All right? So here we find Paul. If you want some background information, I encourage you to do that. Matter of fact, I'm telling you to do that. This is your homework this week. Go home and read Acts chapter 18 and 19, all right? That's, that's when the church uh, began. Paul left Priscilla and Aquila there in Ephesus uh, to begin a work there. He spent about three years there on his third missionary journey, and it was a hotbed of a ev- Matter of fact, matter of fact, We're just going to go till we run out of time, like we always do. So let's just let's just take our time and go there right now. Go go to Acts chapter number uh, nineteen. Acts chapter number nineteen. Because you got to get this. You got to understand. You got to understand what was going on in the beginning. Now John John is writing. John is writing what we're studying tonight. The seven letters. John is writing about forty years after. Paul started, or Priscilla and Aquila started the church there and began the work there in Ephesus. If if you're with me, say amen. Amen. All right? So this is the beginning. In Acts, we have the beginning. In Revelation, we have 40 years later. Okay? So let's look. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse number 10. I've got several things highlighted and drawn in my Bible, but I I just want to jump around a little bit to give you an idea of what's going on. All right? Verse 10. And and this continued by the space of two years so that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now, this means out of this work, out of the church of Ephesus, okay? Uh, the, The gospel is being spread. The gospel is being shared. Look in verse 17. Look in verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling. This is a a story you can read later. I'm trying to save some time. Uh, This was known to the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was... And many, watch this now, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together, burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Say amen. Now watch this. Here's the city. Here's the city. Let me get back to my, 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 my notes here. Here we find find this city, approximately 250,000 to Uh, 500,000. They they held games there. They held games there that would be like our Olympics. And it would rival uh, because it was worldwide, world-known. And and so here we find this going on. It had a theater. It had a theater that held 25,000 people. Can we have the picture of my theater? This This is the actual theater that is in Ephesus. That was there. If you keep reading, if you keep reading in Acts chapter number nineteen, you'll find out that Paul is winning people by the droves, and these people are getting saved. And there, and we're going to look at a temple in a minute—the temple of Artemis or the temple of Diana, which is the Romans knew it as—and and because of the silversmiths that were selling idols. To peep for people to worship, these people were getting saved, so they were not. They were getting rid of their idols, and they were not buying idols anymore. And the silversmiths were losing their money, and so they created a riot. And they captured they captured two of Paul's buddies that he was in the ministry with, and that's all in in, in chapter number nineteen. You'll see it, but this is the actual theater that they drugged these men in to interrogate them. Twenty five thousand seat theater. And this place was full of people and they were enraged at Paul because the city was known for the temple of Diana and they cried out for two hours, great is, this, is the city of Ephesus, great is the temple of Diana. I mean, this is, demon possession. I'm talking about all that, this is the actual, this is the actual theater where this took place. All right? If you say that, say amen. Okay, we see that now. Now I want you to look at this. This is the temple of Diana. This was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Ephesus was primarily known for the worship of Artemis or the worship of the goddess Diana. They had an idol. They had an idol statue. It was a gross, uh, vulgar, uh, many-breasted thing that that they were taught that it fell from Jupiter. It fell out of heaven and they bowed down to it and they worshiped it. And, and and this is what was said. Uh, Antipur of Sidon said this. He was a he, he was a, a writer. Uh, uh, he, this is what he said. I have set my eyes on the wall of lofty Babylon, on which is a road for chariots, and the statue of Zeus by uh, the Aphaeus, and the Hanging Gardens, and the Colossus of the Sun, and the huge labor the the high pyramids, and the vast tomb of uh, of Masalus, But when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliancy, or excuse me, brilliancy, and I said, Lo apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on aught so grand. In other words, this was a massive, massive temple that was known worldwide in this city. Now, the worship of Diana, it was especially vile. Its idol, uh, as we said a while ago, we described it, it housed numerous priests and slaves. Uh, Thousands of priestesses who were nothing more than temple prostitutes were used during the worship ceremonies. The temple grounds were a chaotic mixture of priests and prostitutes, criminals, musicians, dancers, and frenzied hysterical dancers that was used during their ceremonies. The philosopher... The philosopher Heroclitus was called uh, the Weeping Philosopher because he said no one. He declared no one could live in Ephesus and not weep over its immorality. Every spring, uh, every spring, a month-long festival was held in honor of the goddess, complete with athletic, dramatic, and musical events. Preacher, what are you saying? It was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was abandoned to wickedness. We, we, look at, we look at the wickedness of today and we think, boy, it's, it's worse than it's ever been. No, not so. Paul had to deal with the same things we have to deal with today and in some ways worse. This place was a, a, a hotbed of debauchery and immorality and idolatry. And here we find in the middle of this metropolitan city, in the middle of this big, huge, uh, wicked, wicked center of wicked idolatry, there is a church. There is a body of believers. There is a group of people who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they are filled with the Spirit of God and they have the power of God on them and because of that, they are filled with the love of God and they love Jesus Christ and they love the brethren and they love their neighbors and they love the laws and they are sharing the gospel like crazy and because they are sharing the gospel, there are tons of people getting saved and throwing all their junk and burning it in the fire. Say amen. 40 years ago. That's where it began. That's what it was like. In the midst of all of this darkness, there was a light shining bright. There was, there was the church holding forth the word of life. Are y'all with me? A light in a dark place. Man, it was awesome. God was giving Paul special powers where they would take handkerchiefs from him and and it would heal people. And, And demons would have to leave people. God was allowing some incredible things to take place. Go read it, Acts 18 and 19. But now it's different. Now it's drastically, drastically changed. But the problem is not to the human eye. Not to the human eye. Preacher, what are you saying? If, if you or I was to show up at church there, we would think, man, this is great. Let me show you. Y'all looking at me funny? Watch. Watch what it says. Looking, let's, let's get back to Revelation. Let's get back to Revelation. You, just, you have to see. You have to see what the church was. Would y'all agree with me they were on fire? Are y'all asleep tonight? What's up? We got guests and y'all were the zombies tonight. What's up with that? Amen. All right, let's go back to Revelation. Let's go back to Revelation. All right, now watch. He begins, he begins to describe. Let's, let's jump to our outline. Maybe that's the problem. Y'all need to write, them, write with them fingers. Get them some blood flowing. Amen. In, in each letter, in each letter, remember this. At the beginning of each letter, uh, in chapter number one, you find the description, the vision of the resurrected Lord. How many of y'all remember that? Yes. Eyes like fire, you know, head and hair white as wool, and, and, and feet like brass. Are y'all with me? This is a vision of the resurrected Lord. Well, in each letter, in each letter, he chose to pull out a description of himself in chapter number one and address the In other words, it's like, uh, uh, if I'm writing a letter, I say, Malcolm 2, and then write my letter. All right? We do it different. We do. Dear John, I'm writing, you know, well, he's addressing the people, which is the church of Ephesus, and he's saying who is addressing them. And it, in each letter, in each letter at the beginning, he gives a different description of himself. And I'll tell you why in just a second, all right? So number one, look at this. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he, all right, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now, what does that represent? If you will remember, I got to say this all the time because every week we have new people, so I don't want them to be confused with this. If you go back and read Revelation 1, you will find out that the stars represented the angels of the seven churches or the messengers The messengers, I believe personally that these are the pastors, these are the ones that were to deliver God's word to their congregation, and he has them in his right hand. Are y'all with me? I guess I ought to use my right hand. Amen? He has them in his right hand. This is the hand of authority. This is the hand of power. All right? Then it says this, Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks? What did the seven golden candlesticks, what did they represent? The churches, the seven churches, right? Right? And so what is he saying? The one that has the pastors in his right hand, the one that is directing and leading his shepherds to lead the flock that he has given them, the one who has them and is guiding them and directing them and ordering them, I am walking in the midst of the candlesticks. I am in the church. He is here. He is present in the church. Now why is that important to know? Write these things down. First, we see his ability. We see his ability. You need to understand that the God you serve, he can. Say it with me. He, he can. say it again. He, he can. he can. He can do what? Whatever it is you need. Whatever problem that the church has, whatever issue is going on, whatever need that is present in the church, and you're going to find different ones as we go through these seven letters, but he has ability. He can encourage the discouraged. He can break the hard-headed. He can rip the pride out of our life. He can come do whatever is necessary. Why? He's in charge. He has us by the right hand. Say amen. We see his ability. And secondly... Write this down. I got to go quickly because I, I really want to get to the end. <clears throat> we see his authority. His authority. You got to understand that too. That's really important. Not only does he have the ability, he has the authority. What does that mean? He has a right to tell you what to do. In just a minute, in just a minute, we're going to hear these words. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. He's going to list all the things they're doing right. But then he's going to say this. I got a problem with you. Now why is that important? Because we need to understand he has the right to step on our toes. He has a right to address what is wrong in his church. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is his church. He's got the preeminence. He is in charge. He has a right to say no. He has a right to say yes. He has a right to address what he is not pleased with. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. So we see his authority. But then see, I want you to see his activity. His activity. Look what it says. Verse number one. He walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know Thy works. Write this down. Write D. It's not there. Just make one. Put awareness. Put awareness. Remember what we said about praying for patience? How many of y'all were not here last week? You had the flu. You were not here. No, seriously, how many of you were not here last week? You remember what we said? Remember what we said? We said that. People say this all the time. Don't pray for patience. Don't pray for patience. Why? Because tribulation tribulation worketh patience and and, and, and contributes to that. And if you pray for patience, then God's going to send tribulation. Don't pray for patience. And you know what we learned last week? Guess what you're going to get if you need patience, whether you pray for it or not? Tribulation. You don't have to ask for it. If you need it, it's coming. It's coming. If you've got an issue with love, and 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 guess what? God's gonna put you around unlovable people so you can learn to love like Christ. See, He's here. He knows what we need. He knows the one full of pride in here. He knows the ones full of bitterness in here. He knows the ones that's brokenhearted in here. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? In the same message, in the same service, in the same church hour, in the same worship time, he can mend a broken heart and break a hard heart? You know why? Because he's aware. I know thy works. Now watch what he says. Let's look at, we've seen the author, now let's look at the approval. Look in verse 2. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not feigned. Write these three things down. Let's talk about it in a minute. He, he, he approved, A, of their service. He approved of their service. Man, they were working hard. They were laboring. The word means toil. They were not not just Sunday morning, show up to church, Christian, and forget about God the rest of the week. They were working. They were serving. And, And by the way, keep in mind, if the only time you serve God is on Sunday morning, you're not. You're the church wherever you are. And they were. Man, they were working hard. They were laboring. They were the church that every pastor desires to have. That They don't have to be begged to do something. They're volunteering for something to do. Hey, what do I, what do I need to do? What, what needs to happen? Where? They're laboring. And, and this was the church, if you'll remember, if you'll remember, Paul told them that, that, that grievous wolves are going to come in among you. He said, be careful. They're not going to spare the flock. There's going to be false teachers. And and think about this. False doctrine didn't just come into being. Paul had to deal with it way back there. And they didn't put up with it. They didn't put up with sin in the church. They didn't put up with foolishness in the church. They didn't put up with false doctrine. They didn't put up with false teachers. And I'm telling you, if you knew what a good church looked like, you would say, this is it. Man, he approved of their service. He approved of their steadfastness. Their steadfastness. Look what he said. And has borne. Verse 3. And has borne. In other words, you were holding up under the pressure. You held in there. You stuck to it. You did not come to church because it was raining. Or cold. You have... (laughs) You got to get this, guys. We're full rotten. The church calls the riot a riot. They're screaming at the top of their lungs. Great is the temple of Diana. They're, just, they're, they're furious at these Christians. And we get, anyway, I'm not going to get on all that. I won't have time. But y- y'all get me? Say, preacher, if, if, if you could have one thing to ask of all of your people, not just Wednesday night crowd, I mean, I'm, I, y'all get beat up too much because y'all, y'all are here, amen? Too many churches, the guys, are, they pick on the Wednesday night crowd and they're there, amen? But if I could ask for one thing from all of our church members, it would be a little more commitment and faithfulness. Not here and there, missing here, not wondering, listen, If you miss church, man, somebody ought to say something wrong. We better. That's them. They were hanging in there. They were faithful. They were committed. They didn't put up with foolishness. He approved of their service. He approved of their steadfastness. He approved of their suppression. Write that down their suppression. They put down sin and false doctrine and false teachers. And there's something significant to that. You can't can't kick out a false teacher unless you know right doctrine. That's why we have to study to show ourselves approved. Amen, church? It's important. All right? We see their approval. But really the message tonight, this is what I want to get to. I want you to see the admonition. I want you to see the admonition. Now, can y'all see this now? Can y'all see? We're going to take a time... We're, we're gonna take a time travel. All right. We're gonna, we're gonna walk into a, a time machine and we're all gonna we're gonna pile up in the Church of Ephesus and, uh, and, uh, during during this time that John's writing this letter, and we're gonna go, and you know what we're gonna hear? We're gonna hear sound doctrine. We're gonna hear, we're gonna hear Bible teaching. We're gonna see a crowd that looks like Christians. We're gonna see a crowd that acts like Christians. We're gonna see a crowd that, listen, that is standing apart. And they're separated from this wicked, idolatrous crowd, this, this Ephesians. Uh, 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 are y'all with me? And when we walk in this place, when we walk in this place, you're going to think, this is my kind of place. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to bring my kids up. This, is, this I'm telling you right here, let's take a vote. Right. Because we can only see with the eye. But how many of y'all know we serve a God that looketh beyond what we can see? And he doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. And so let's go through this letter. Can you see him? Can you see him as, as the messenger? The messenger, he, he has, he's got back to Ephesus now from John, and he's got the letter. says, man, I've got a word from God. I've got a word from God, and I'm going to read this letter. And they hear this, I know thy works, I know thy works, and I I know your labor, and I know your patience, and how thou hast borne. And man, the whole time he's talking, they're getting swole up. I would be. Now some of y'all are acting, I I know y'all trying to act real spiritual because we got guests here, but I know you. So just loosen up, take the halo down, and put it in your pocket because nobody believes it anyway. Say amen. God's bragging on them, bragging on them, bragging on them. Man, you're doing this, you're doing that. And man, I'm telling you, at just the point that they can't take it no more, we got it going on. They hear this. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. I got a problem. What could be the problem? My goodness, after that, what in the world could be the problem? We're here. We're faithful. We're showing up. We read our Bible. We've been given our tithes and offerings, and we're given the missions too, even the building program. I mean, we've even even held the door and shook people's hands because the preacher made us. What could possibly be the problem? said you've left your first love wait wait a minute but we're working (laughs) have you ever have you ever asked somebody how they're doing and this is what you hear well I'm here how many of you felt like that before I've learned my lesson. I I don't ask people how they're doing anymore. Because I'm afraid they're going to tell me. Amen. Some people, man, by the time they're through, I'm saying, you need to be in the emergency room, man. I'm here. In other words, I don't really want to be here, but I'm here because I'm supposed to be. You've left your first love. He wasn't addressing, think about this. He wasn't addressing what they were doing. He was addressing why they were doing it. Think about that a minute. You see, Jesus cares not just about what you do. He cares about why you do it. And I'm going to tell you why in the end. But let's, let's look at this a minute. Let's look at the problem. Look in verse number four. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Because, here, now he's going to give the reason. Because, and here's, here's the first point under the admonition. I want you to write this down. I want you to see their decision. Their decision. Now, I'm going I'm I'm to make some of you mad right here, but you'll get over it. If you are not on fire for God like you need to be, you did it. I don't know why God's letting this happen to me. God didn't have anything to do with it. It never ceases to amaze me what God either gets blamed for or gets credit for. That he had absolutely nothing to do with. Look at the two. Look at the two words. Because, right after because, remember he's given a reason. What's the next two words? Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. If you have left your first love, all right, all right. Let's 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 do it with an uh, illustration here. <clears throat> This is God. This is God in his presence. This is, this, is, this is me and my closeness to him, right? This is a time when I'm on fire. This is a time when, man, I love him, and, 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 and it don't matter what he wants me to do. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. Hey, if he wants me to hold the door, if he wants me to pick up garbage in the, in the parking lot, if he wants me to wave him, hey, it doesn't matter what. Just as long as I can be with God and God's people, man, in his presence is fullness of joy. Good night. Somebody say amen. That's where they were. Soul winning because they, man, they had a fire. They were in love with God, in love with people. And if you love God, you're going to love people. But thou hast, what's the next word? Then comes a the day 40 years later. I've seen, I've seen, don't you love baby Christians? I'm talking about brand new saved baby Christians. They don't know Jack, but they know they're saved. They don't know all oh, how he did it. They just know he did it. Are y'all with me? I'll give you an illustration. My father, I, I, I pick on him way too much. God's going to punish me for this, but you, I can't, there's no greater illustration my, my dad, y'all got to understand, he had zero church background. He, don't know, he didn't know anything about church, never went to church, none of his parents, grandparents, nobody went. There was no church background whatsoever. I am just, a, I mean, completely opposite of that. He raised me in church and in pastor's home and all. So we're so different. Well, when he got saved, I mean, and by the way, you got to understand, he was wide open for the devil. And so when he got saved, he was wide open for God. And he was witnessing to everybody, telling everybody he didn't really know anything. All he knew is he went to that little church and he got saved. And he went to, he went to my uncle, who was a, a, a church of Christ persuasion. And that's what, that was his background. And he went to Uncle Junior and said, hey, Uncle Junior, man, I got saved. He said, where at? Down there, Bethel Baptist Church. He said, he said oh, man, them people, they believe once saved, always saved. And Dad said, nuh-uh. He said, you go ask that preacher. So he went back and asked Brother Wooten. And and Brother Wooten said, yeah, Malcolm, that's true. That's what we believe. Let me show you why. This is what the Bible. And he took my dad through the word of God and showed him where God saves. And and he will in no wise cast out. So he went back to Uncle Junior and said, yeah, that's what we believe. (laughs) Y'all with me? Love. Everywhere he went, he told Everybody. Drove my aunt insane. My aunt was still living at home. And every time dad drive in the, in the yard. She, there was a big plate glass window in my front of my grandma's house. And she'd see dad through the yard. And she'd go out the back door. Because <laughs> he was on fire. Man, he loved God. Loved to read his Bible. Couldn't read a lick when he got saved. Learn how to read. Basically by trying to study when God called him to preach would stay up all night and cook breakfast in the morning because they'd stay and trying to learn the Bible. That's back there. That's that first love. But somewhere along the line, in them 40 years of putting up with all that hell, all that difficulty. Now, let me give you Bible. The Bible says, because iniquity abounds, the love, say it with me, the love, love of many shall wax cold. Preacher, what do you mean? I'm saying this, when you leave, it's fun in here, ain't it? Isn't it great coming here and be around God's people, man, be in God's presence and and read his word and study his word, and it's great. But guess what? You're going out there. And it's wicked out there. It's black out there. It's dark out there. It's evil out there. And you're using up. mm Mm-hmm. And it grows cold. And they had drifted. They were still serving. They were still going to church. They were still doctrinally sound and doctrinally correct. If you ask them a Bible question, they could lay it on you. But God seen something that the naked eye could not see. He saw that their heart had drifted from Him. He said, Thou hast. It was a decision they made. What, what, that represented me. That chair represented God. What never moved. If you find yourself, and it's easy. It's easy. Let me tell you how this works for for rednecks. You go out on WD-40. You come back in on sandpaper. It is way easier to get away from God. Do I will somebody say, "Man, and agree with what I'm saying?" How many knows this by experience? Man, there's a day we was on fire, nothing could put it out, didn't matter what no matter how negative people are, but here we are. But guess what? It was a decision we made. He said, thou hast. Look at the next one. We see the decision. Then we see the disregard. He says, you left. The word disregard in your Webster's 1828 dictionary, this this is what it means. It means neglect. Neglect. Omission of notice. Indifference. Let me say it again. Neglect, omission of notice, indifference. What happened? Love has to be cultivated. Love has to be maintained. I was preaching on <clears throat> I was preaching on the marriage and the home, and love and all that kind of stuff. And Brother Smitty, some of y'all may not know him, but Brother Smitty is is one of the the heroes of this church and and. Uh, and at the time, he was about 80 <clears throat> when he told me this. And, uh, and I, said, I, told, I said, husbands, you need to tell your wife every single day how much you love her. Every single day. Don't miss. Tell her how much you love her, that she means the world to you. After church, Brother Smitty came up to me and said, uh, <coughs> preacher, <coughs> he sucks his teeth a little bit. <coughs> preacher. He said, I don't mean to dispute your word, but I told Edna when we got married, I loved her. And if anything changed, I'd let her know. (laughs) Y'all with me? How many of y'all know that don't work? But how many of y'all know a lot of us have that mentality? What do we do? Men, we ain't going to have time, so let's just, let's just hunker down a little bit, all right? Relationships are the same way. We'll go crazy to impress them when we're dating. Buy flowers, cologne we hope that they like, <laughs> tight britches we can't even breathe in. Come on. sit on their couch, it don't matter if it takes three days for them to get ready. You don't care. You'll do whatever it takes. I know some of y'all men, y'all looking down, we ain't praying. You know I'm right. And we get married. And then something happens. We stop doing all that stuff. We stop dating. We stop the romance. We think it's just going to carry on through. And we don't have to do nothing. We don't have to maintain it. We don't have to cultivate it. We don't have to develop it and work on it. I had a friend of mine tell me the most incredible thing when it comes to relationships. He said, Malcolm, he said, love is not the secret to marriage. That's That's what he said. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's effort. You see, what happened is they stopped the effort in the relationship. They were still serving. They were still working. It was a Mary and Martha issue. Martha was working. Martha was making the stuff. Martha was setting the table. Martha was doing all of these things, but she got things out of order. And she, she focused on what was good and she missed the best. But where did we find Mary? At his feet. You know what? We get so busy serving God. We get so busy ministering. That we forget to cultivate that relationship. We stop spending time at his feet. We stop. Y'all with me? Boy, it's quiet in here, isn't it? We stop communicating. That's the one of the one of the first signs that you're neglecting your relationship with your spouse is you quit communicating. You know one of the first signs that you're neglecting your relationship with Christ is you quit praying. You quit communicating. You quit talking. I was traveling back from Ohio, <clears throat> and man, God done something for me up there, and, and I'm not going to go into it, but just take my word, man, I had a sweet time with the Lord. We quit talking. Check it out. I dare you. Go, go to any restaurant. You can see who's dating and who's married. The dating people are talking. The married people are eating. <clears throat> That's the truth. <laughs> Communication. He said, thou hast... let you made a decision. You did it. If you're not where you're supposed to be, you did it. God never moved. We see their disregard. We neglect our relationship. We neglect uh, the closeness with God and, and communicating with God and talking with God. Then we see their disconnect. See. Their decision, their disregard, then their disconnect. What's it say? Thou hast left what? Their first love. What do we lose? What do we lose when we stop communicating? What do we lose when we stop cultivating the relationship with Christ? Intimacy. Intimacy, closeness. There is nothing sweeter than being intimate with Christ and being in his presence and and, and feeling. It says in his presence is fullness of joy. Now think about that. If in his presence is fullness of joy and the joy of the Lord is my strength, no wonder the devil's beaten, the devil out of all of us. We have no strength to fight back because we have no joy. We're stressed out to the max, and we wonder why in the world am I going through all this? Maybe it's you're in a serving mode and not a worship mode and spending time with him. When's the last time you told him you loved him just to tell him you love him? When's the last time you read about him to just learn more about him and what he is and what he's meant to you? When's the last time you heard something that you know he is speaking to you and you only? We lose that intimacy. We lose that closeness. And instead of being, and I'm using the analogy with with marriage and the couple, with this relationship, when we stop communicating with our spouse and we stop talking, we become roommates and not lovers. And we go through the motions and we go through the actions and really we start going and living our own separate lives and we wonder why there's nothing there. And we do the same thing in the house of God. We're still serving, we're still singing, we're still showing up, we're still giving, we're still tithing, we're still sacrificing, we're still doing all of these things. But God cares about why we're doing it. Say, preacher, I'm still doing it. The Bible says if we're doing all that stuff and we don't have love, we're wasting our time. 1 Corinthians 13. Why? Jesus was asked, what is the number one commandment? What is the primary, number one commandment? He says, love the Lord thy God. Say it with me. Love the Lord thy God. Come on now. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. He goes even further and says, unless a man will hate his father and his mother and his sister and his brother, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And we know the word hate means to love less. He's using a hyperbole. In other words, he's saying, You gotta love me more than your mama. You gotta love me more than your spouse. You gotta love me more than your children. You gotta love me more than your possessions. You gotta love me more than your own life. That's the love that he's asking for. What did he ask Peter? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He didn't say, are you going to serve me? Are you going to preach? Are you going to build churches? He wants to know, do you love me? What is your motivation? Why is Jesus so concerned about this? Why is he so bothered? Man, they're working, they're laboring, they're, they're patient, they're living in the midst of hell itself, and they're putting up with all this garbage. yet Jesus is concerned about their motivation. He's concerned about their apathy. Why? We find that answer We find that answer in the first step to getting back. What's, look what he says. Here's the last point. He says, Remember. Say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Remember. Remember. You may be sitting way over here. You're coming to church, but you don't feel it. You're coming to church, and there was a day, man, when the preacher would say something, and you was on the edge of your seat, you couldn't stand it. Maybe there was a day you just come to church and that choir was singing a song and man you had God bumps running all up and down your neck you just couldn't, whoo man you knew God was there and you could feel and you just couldn't wait to get there. Man it was on Thursday and you thought it was Saturday and oh my goodness I gotta wait three more days to get to church. You say oh I ain't never been like that. It can be like that. There has been times I woke up Monday morning and I said man I gotta wait two more days to Wednesday. It can be like that. You say preacher I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm not there. But do you remember when you were? The first step to getting back is remembering. Now, why is that so significant? Look at your notes. Hurry, hurry, hurry. You got a minute and 30 seconds. Look what it says. Look what he said. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 12. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Remember, this is a second reading. Deuteronomy means second law, second reading of the law. This is the last reminder before they go into the promised land. Hear, O Israel, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be frontless between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. You reckon God wanted them to remember? Look at all them reminders he's commanding them to have. And it shall be, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not when thou shalt have eaten and full then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What is he saying? I'm going to bless your socks off. I'm going to bless you beyond your belief of being blessed. I'm going to give you houses you don't have to build. I'm going to give you vineyards you don't have to plant. I'm going to give you wells you don't have to dig. I'm telling you I'm going to bless you like crazy but there's one thing I'm concerned about there's one thing that bothers me. It's this that you forget where it all come from I'm going to bless you I'm going to protect you I'm going to provide for you I'm going to be everything for you but beware, lest thou forget well how could that be possible I don't know let's see lest thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage Psalm 78 40 how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They, they remember not. They remember not his hand nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Joshua takes them into the promised land. He warns them again, don't turn from his law, don't turn from his word to the right hand or to the left. He said, if you observe the things that are written in this law, he said, then thou shalt find good success. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous and shalt find good success. And you know what happened? Right after Joshua died and all the elders with him, there arose another generation who knew not the Lord. Let me tell you what happens sometimes we forget that we was in a pit. We serve and we serve and we serve and we serve. And, and when we serve and, and, and don't worship, when we serve our spouse and don't have no kissing and hugging and loving and intimacy, we forget why we're doing it. When we don't have closeness, we just become laborers and servants and not lovers there was a man in the Bible who worked seven years because his love was so great and you know what it says his love was so great it seemed like it was a short time And after a while of neglect, if we have to wait seven minutes in the car. (laughs) She's beeping the horn. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Y'all get the point? Isn't it great that he said you left, not you lost? What's the... What's the big deal? That's God. I'm... Hey, ho, ho, ho. I'm out of time. Stop. He didn't go nowhere. Remember from when Sarah and then it look, look, write this down. Repent. Repent. When do we need to repent? When we sin. Sin. Oh, come on, preacher! You're talking about not loving him like we should sin? That's right. If it's the number one commandment, if the number one commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind, and you ain't, you better repent. And then, and then return. See, return. Just go back. You know what I, can, I found out. I might not can fit in them type riches anymore, but I can still take her to Carrabba's. <laughs> I can still buy flowers. I can still buy chocolate. Now, ladies, I really thought I'd get a little more help on that from y'all. Amen, ladies? Amen. Oh, let me help you. Let me help you. This, I, I done messed that all up. That ain't my wife. I can wash them dishes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 What else, baby? Tell me something else. Vacuum, vacuum. do something. Yeah, vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Oh, God help us. (laughs) Baby, you want me to do a laundry? Nope. We can still do this. (laughs) i tell you what, we just don't have what, we've, we've lost that love and fit. No, you ain't, you lying, you lying. You ain't lost it, you left it. Go back and do what you used to do. Go back and flirt again. Go be sweet again. Say sorry when you do something stupid. I got to do that regular. <laughs> I was in a zone today. I mean, I was in my office and 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 I don't know I how. I know I had a scowl on my face because it's usually that way when I'm my brain's hurting. And and she came in to ask me something, and 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 I said, uh, "Go tell Jeff to come here." And she just went to do that. And the Holy Spirit said, Why well, you're an idiot. <laughs> you didn't say, hey, how you doing? God is my witness. Tammy, tell him. I text you and I said, I'm sorry, ain't I? I said, I'm sorry for being rude a while ago. We can, see, we can do this. What's this have to do with church and God? When's the last time... You spent some quality time with the Lord. Not on TV. Not on social media. Not in church. Just you and him. Get your Bible out. He's been missing you. I know we're way over time, but I got to tell you this. Why did Jesus care so much about this? If you'll remember, this is a prophetic history. It begins with the Apostolic Church of Ephesus and ends with the Laodicean Church of Apostasy. How did we get, how did the church get to the point in the place where it is lukewarm and nauseating to God? God is sick of the church in Laodicea. He said, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Let me tell you how it got there. It started. When we left our first love. You may still be serving. You may still be sacrificing. You may still be working. But you know what? If we don't do something. If we don't change that. If we don't change why we do what we do. If we we don't fix our motivation. We're going to end up in Laodicea. And Jesus knew it. He cares about why you do what you do. And the only one that can change it is not the preacher. Thou hast. We have to take responsibility and come to God and say, I'm sorry. I don't love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. I've allowed other things to get between me and you. But I'm repenting. And I'm going back to where I was. Because where I was was a lot better than where I am. And all God's people say it. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to take it and practice and apply it. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right, everybody stop. Don't move. Preacher, if you'll go to your table, that way they'll, they'll crowd, they'll run you over before you get out there. <laughs> so you get on out there so that you can be ready when all y'all going to come by and tell them how much. You're going to grab one in them prayer cards and you're going to tell that dear family, hey, that got four girls just like I got. Y'all with me? Go tell them you're praying for them. Tell them you love them and you're going to, listen, we're partners in the kingdom. Say amen. All right, go get them kids. Run, run, run. Say you was talking to somebody's so Why you're late. Okay. Sunday.